Um, should I do the intro now? Yes, it's time for the I, intro. I, I should hope it is. This is part of the intro, Chris. It is. Ladies and gentlemen, someday I'll actually be good at intros. This wasn't awful. This is all right. Yeah, it's all right. This it's... is this is the sort of professionalism you would expect when Jeff is off uh, fighting Nazis for the Ark of the Covenant. I assume that's what he's doing right now. Really? Is he the Jewish Indiana Jones? Indi- Indi- Juana- Indiana Jews? Okay, that was too was labored to, to be anywhere near funny. Trying to, yes, you get the idea. Uh, listen, um, I spent three weeks working on that. I'll have to spend another three weeks hashing it out. That's okay. Okay. Um, cool. Welcome to Hooniverse Podcast episode. I forgot what number it is, and you you did too, Chris. Uh, yeah, because my short-term memory is completely shot with my sleep schedule. Yeah. And so. also, it doesn't really matter because we're all here anyway. Yes, yes, we are. So, um, as it turns out, uh, you guys may have seen my rantings about SEMA, and I think we're good now. So, hooray! Expect um, ex- uh, that was not a sarcastic hooray either. Expect a lot of great Hooniverse content and goodness from SEMA on the floor, and um, you know where we actually can get some good audio. Yeah, I guess now would probably be an opportune time to tell people that uh, if uh, if you are with a manufacturer or have built something really cool. Email it to one of us. You can email it to me, Chris, at ShoutEngine.com. Or me, Blake, B-R-O-N-G, at AutoWeek.com. Uh, and if it's really, truly cool, then maybe we'll talk to you at SEMA because we're going to record a few episodes there. Also, if it's really awful, we can come down and make fun of it. Yeah, if you're open to us just completely just ruining any if, self-esteem if, you if might If you have. would like us to destroy your beautiful SEMA creation like you're a first grader with an art project that, that we just stomped on, um, email us as well. Yeah, that's an enticing offer for these people. It I'm really sure. is. It'd be great. So, uh, Eric Glucker is once again on the road. Yeah. Um, Fighting Nazis. Actually, I think this time he's with his in-laws. It's a family affair, fighting Nazis. Nazi ah. fighting is a family affair. Okay, so. Yeah. The family uh, that kills Nazis together stays together, Chris. Ah, that's, um, that might be true, actually. Uh, old Jewish adage. Mm, yes. Um, so... Old Jewish adages aside, uh, we both went to the Lamborghini Super Trofeo event uh, over the weekend. That was that was a really bizarre event. Yeah, it was a it little was weird. Kind of weird. It was definitely weird for me because they invited me to drive a bunch of Lamborghinis, as you know happens in life. And I'm trying to be modest about it, but I drove an Aventador, and it was pretty cool. Yeah, the Aventador was bad. Somebody was tearing ass in the parking lot with the Aventador with the gray one that was there. Oh, really? So a Lamborghini driver was being obnoxious. Well, to be honest, most people were on very good behavior. They were they were kind of cool. It was mostly also dealers, and they were they already or they were coming. I talked to a lot of the dealers. They were they were coming in from Palm Springs, and they already got all of their hangovers out of the way, you know, from being in Palm Springs. So they must have torn up Palm Springs and then just come over. There was the there was like four or five distinct groups of people there. There was Lamborghini employees. All right. There was the staff of the event, right. as to be understood. Yes. There was media. Yes. There was dealers. Mm-hmm. And then the distinct other class, indeterminate. The underclass. The well, indeterminate. I believe hangers on. I believe mostly Chinese millionaires walking around in with their families, ostentatious, ridiculous douche shirts, and like just acting kind of. Weird. Well, there there were also the uh, the customers with the Lamborghini Club who just showed up because I guess they got which is those and they weren't the guys all Chinese by the way. They What's that? They weren't all Chinese. They weren't all my people. The Chinese were pretty well behaved, quiet, talked, to, kept themselves. Well, I say Chinese because the guys I met were actually Chinese. That's true. But... I didn't actually get to talk to them, but um, you know, some of the cust- you know, the customers seemed like typical Lamborghini fare, but they were nice. I don't know. You know, there's some. There, it's very rare that I run into Lambo guys that are not like kind of douchey. 
That's Lamborghini's entire business model. I I sell it to douchebags. And I love Lamborghinis. I do. I I will own I will own a used Gallardo at some point in, in hopefully in the next couple of years. I I've always liked Lamborghinis because because I've always fought for the underdog, and I do find that bit of Countach esque sleaze in myself as well. But see, the thing is, if you're a Countach esque sleaze ball and you show up to and you show up with a Countach, that's kind of like. Ironic, kind of ironic, like, oh, this guy's stuck in the 70s and he's just showing up here. Nowadays, it's all like, you know, I guess the stereotype is Ed Hardy shirts, too, pull too tight, you got a lot of chains, you got a lot of rings, and you're kind of fat and have no hair. Oh, it was funny to me, it was like, the guy that gets out and he's like, I don't know, he's some, some conglomerate from some Southeastern Asian country and he gets out and it's like every trope you can imagine. The bad sunglasses, like green pants, like bright green pants. I did pants. see the mint pants there. Mint and, pa- and Mr. The, mint pants. You know, with like... The shirt that's three sizes too small. The, yes, the shirt three sizes too slow. You can see and every then he had, areola. And then he had the he had the, uh, the the blonde girlfriend, right? Oh, so many blonde women passed their prime there. Oh my God, it was like... Yeah, although this was a younger... This was a younger guy, so we had a younger girl with him, but then... And, and, and not that I have a lot of room to cast judgment here, but... You know, it was very clear that she was not really interested in him and was really kind of there is just, I, you know, I, I, I'd wonder if she was almost even paid to be there with him. Um, you would think, Chris, you would think. And on that note, uh, I don't know. Let's talk about the cars. And did you meet well, that Shepard? I've got one more small anecdote about yeah. the people that showed up. So I was standing outside with, um, with, uh, Matt Farah and uh, Vinny Russo. And Vinny, Vinny works for Lambo. Right. And we're... As, as I mentioned earlier, a guy that works for Lambo is – they're all named Vinny, really. A lot of them. A lot of them. But hey. Vinny's a super nice guy. Okay. Anyway, so we're standing outside and we're like, what the hell is this? And it's a golf cart rolling up with like 15 people on it. And as it gets closer, we're like, that's like 14 or 15 girls on it. And we're like, what the hell is going on? There were so many guys at the event – Lamborghini actually paid girls to come in and, and kind of even out the numbers a little bit. Vinny told you that? What's that? Vinny told you that? No, but it was, he didn't tell me that. But it was a it was a golf cart full of girls that immediately showed up, got off the golf cart, and walked right into the event. See, I thought they were um, I thought they were the flag girls that had hadn't changed yet because later I walked over to the pits and I saw like a gaggle of. Uh, Girls in you know the tight white shirts and the yeah I, yeah, I saw left. those people too and they right. may have been the same people but there was definitely a little bit of go inside and mingle and kind of boy girl boy girl the whole thing because it was a little lopsided oh of course it's of a course. car I event mean, yeah it's a, it's a car event and you know it's it's yeah that, but I, that you doesn't know surprise I, me that honestly I, doesn't surprise me I just thought it was hilarious because it was just like it's so t- it's so Italian we're like oh no 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 we'll bring in the beautiful girls we'll and they were like they out. were like grade A Los Angeles Beverly Hills women that sort of thing that you know people stereotype L A for yeah well I'm sure I mean, someone just went there oh man L A so fake it's and it's just... it's Lamborghini but I mean we were sitting down and you know having lunch and everything and it was they put out a good spread and uh yeah yeah sit down and i look over and i'm like i think that's i think that's winkleman and winkleman of course ceo of lamborghini yeah and uh he is he is one taller than i thought and two that man may as well be a fucking model himself he's he's suave he's very suave he's definitely he's definitely like a jelly or a lapo elkan or you know one of those stylish italian guys in the fiat empire Although, you know, Lamborghini. Yeah. Knows. Well, but, I mean, it's yeah, just... Definitely the sort of thing... Definitely the sort of person you would imagine running Lamborghini. He's like an Italian analog of, like, a Tony Stark for there. He's just... Yeah? He's yeah. one of those guys that walks into the room, and he just kind of oozes that cool factor. I'm really glad they still have you know? that in today's society where everything's so... Um, 
not commercialized, but like kind of like just blends together, there, right? Yeah, there just yeah. aren't that the many. Italians are still Italians. There Thank are, God there, for that. Right, and there just aren't that many personalities in the car business anymore. It's just nice to see like one guy's face you can attach to the brand and go, that is the dude for this company. You know, Jeep is run by a guy named Mike Manley, right. and Lamborghini is run by Steven, Steven Winkelmann. And, uh, yeah. He's 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 great. Yeah, he's definitely the best dressed dude in the auto industry. Yeah, uh, well, that's the funny thing. I was just like, I think that's the first time I have seen him where he's not wearing a twelve thousand dollars suit. Right. That well, looks like it was spray painted on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, must be nice to have the uh, the Lamborghini money coming in. Lamborghini. But they put oh, on a hell. The they put on a good little show. And uh, back to your thing. No, I did not meet Dax. Uh, Matt and I had been standing outside in the sun for quite some time. So I didn't meet any celebrities. I got to talk to Bruce's leave. sons. They were really down to earth. Yeah. Uh, I talked to, what, what's his name? Uh, Brandon was one of them, and the other one was named, I forgot, I'll have to check my notes, but they were really down to earth. The dealers were really nice. I talked to the guy that runs Lamborghini America, Michael Locke. Okay. He's a Brit. He used to run Ducati. And, uh, you know, all really, really nice guys. Well, you, it looked like you got a lot of uh, one-on-one time with uh, you and uh, Joe, uh, you and George uh, Motoman. See, Both George got, got to interview uh, Winkleman, and that yeah. was cool. I wanted to talk to him. I thought you got a little one-on-one time, too. No, he seemed kind of unapproachable. Okay. He had a handler, the British guy. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I, I did talk. I did try to talk to as many people as I could. So, But, uh, so, the race cars were kind of cool, though. Um, a lot of a lot of talent behind the race cars, too. GMG Racing, our good friends, mm-hmm. like Duncan. Duncan was there. I didn't. I didn't see, see him. Duncan. It would have been nice to see him. Yeah, it would have been. And that's Duncan Endy for the rest of you Duncan guys. Duncan Endy, right? Yeah, um, he's been on, who's been on the show. And um, James Safranas, who's really cool. And I've been trying to get him on the podcast, but he's always busy, you know, being a champion. Yeah. So um, I wanted to. But say there were I'm also not- definitely some gentleman drivers there too. Not that many, because the thing is. This is the first season of Super Travail. I guess I should explain this. First season, it's been in Europe since 2009, and it's been in Asia since 2011. And those are all quote-unquote gentleman drivers, which hopefully some of them are so gentlemen, but most of them are just, you know, oh, I'm rich and I can do this. Have we discussed the uh, topic of gentleman drivers on the show before? No, not really. So when we say gentleman drivers, it basically means guys that have a lot of money that can buy a seat in a car. Right. It's basically a turnkey race car. They no, come lemons, in. Lemons. I've done the same thing with lemons. Yes, we have. But I'm a, a diff- hobo driver. You know, that is. That is like the hobo driver. You know, you're one step from like sketching behind the car. You're, you're one you're step that. away from just blowing a guy just to get in his on his race team. Yeah. I haven't I haven't blown any guys or blown any guys for uh, ra- racing. Okay. Um, you know, once again, I'm not going to ever cast judgment on these sort of things. I mean, whatever floats hey, your hey, boat. Listen. But um, general, general hobo drivers. Gentlemen drivers. So, yeah, they're guys that pay their way in, and right. racing wouldn't exist without them because they actually end up funding a great deal of motorsport. Jenner, um, Jenner Racing. Bruce Jenner. We yeah. can talk about him. He he was there. I didn't uh, say hi to him, but... Well, um, even, I mean, and some very iconic people that turned into great race car drivers Paul were Newman. gentlemen racers. Paul Newman, Steve Patrick Queen. Dempsey, you know... McQueen. I mean, there are a lot of people that started out as gentlemen racers and are legitimately good drivers. Right. It's just how they're getting in versus guys that are are put in a cart at the age of you know zygote, right? And exactly. and then you know learn their way through that. Um, and there's there's nothing wrong. There are some gentlemen drivers. You know, you get celebrity drivers too, and everything like who not just do the Toyota celebrity race because that's for charity, but they like uh, what's his name? Hulk Hogan's son did some. Oh, shit. Nick. Yeah. Right. Has he been on the podcast? The Smoking uh, Tire one? Uh, we've had Nick on Smoking Tire, yeah. I'm not going to cast judgment in that case because, you know, I'm, he was nice enough to be on the podcast. I'm sure he was a nice guy. To uh, he's to. a nice, nice enough kid, but he definitely has um, 
there's some the privilege. It's the privilege. Really, I could see where he could rub some people the wrong way, but ultimately a nice kid. Okay, that's really good to know. And I hate to bring him up as an example, but there, you know, you get the stereotype of, oh yeah, I could do this. Listen, I'm I'm a celebrity. Do you know who I am? I should I should be. I deserve a spot in this race car, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that might be even be a dying, dying breed. You know? Yeah, I think that would, that you know what it's. It's get, not cheap. I mean, like these the super trail races. I think they were. It's eighteen grand to get just for one race. It's um, it's forty grand. I think for a weekend. For a weekend, right? And right. It's two hundred forty thousand for the car, and then eighteen grand entry fee on top of that. I think something like that. I also right. Again, I so we're not talking trivial amounts of money. So like, even if you just had a passing interest, that's even if you had lots and lots of money, right. that's a lot of money to put down for just something you may or may not like. So you're getting people that are right. pretty you're dedicated. Not, you're not to doing it. weekend piano lessons here. This is um. This is a circus that travels around the country. It's seven venues this year. It's been going on since June. I think one venue a month, two races a weekend, for example. I think they were last in Kansas City and before that, VIR. 19-year-old kid upstaged uh, uh, Justin Bell, I believe. Justin Bell Mm -hmm. raced at VIR day one, swept the field. Next day, 19-year-old kid, go-kart racer, really nice guy. His name's Andrew. He's 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 majoring at Pomona College, I think, and in engineering, I think. And, um... He uh, he destroyed everyone on day two. He's only been in a race car twice. So the thing about Super Travail, and I think any of these series are that you know you you come with a, a lot of money, and it, it's all up in the air who's going to win, who's got skill, and everything. Right. So. And, and speaking of uh, speaking of young guys that have come up through racing and are and are showing up with the uh, pros, uh, we had uh, Skip Esma on the show a little while ago. Who was uh, the engineer for Toyota's NASCAR team and was formerly a uh, IndyCar engineer? He's a TRD guy. Yes, he works for TRD. Uh, and his son Joey just uh, clinched the um, GoPro uh, Rotax Championship, the Junior Championship. I, I didn't know GoPro sponsored that. Yes, they do. Rotax. What? Uh, what cars? Is that carts? And no, that's not carts. That is carts. That's yeah, one that is carts. carts. So right. that's what Andrew did. Yeah. Congratulations to uh, Joey. He's going to be. This kid is on his way to becoming a. Really well-known name in racing, Joey. Um, Joey, what? Joey Esman. Joey Esma. Congratulations, Joey. So and, thanks for making me feel bad about my own racing career. And, and congratulations, Skip, because I know you uh, you work with your son a lot on that too. Yeah, so, that's great. Um, but the Super Trophy event that was it was it was maybe long. Joey will end up at the Super Trophy event. Eventually. Uh, you know that's well that's what made me think about it is that 19 year old that came in and upstaged uh, Justin Bell. Yeah, you know this is it's nice just to watch uh, the new talent come up sometimes. So, exactly, and if it's through Super Trofeo, if it's through, through Skip Barber, if it's through Lemons, if it's through Carts, you know, all the power to you. Yep, and it, it's just a matter of how much access you have, how much money you have, you're willing to throw in onto the, on this sort of thing. And in the end, though, it doesn't matter because it's all about talent. Yeah, it does. It's it's nice to get that leg up when you're when you're young because those guys, like I said, they basically throw them in a cart when they're a zygote, and those kids are so damn good. I mean. I've been driving for half my life at this point, and yeah. you can put a 14-year-old that spends all day long in a cart, you know, with, against me on a racetrack, and he's going to kick my ass. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, it's it, – well, they have no – first off, they have no fear. Second of all, they haven't learned the bad habits that the rest of us have learned. Yeah, so. they, they're more used to race car driving instead of street driving. So yeah. there you go. That, again, bad habits. Yeah. So Super Travail was fun. Driving an Aventador up San Gabriel Canyon Road was fun. If anyone's ever seen the original Italian job, I was really hoping I could find uh, Matt Monroe's on days like these. Oh, um, great. Yeah. But we, me and Fazel, the PR guy, just ended up listening to electronic music because that's that's the modern interpretation. Really. Well, yeah. I mean, that's if, you're, gotta be an if you're driving like a European sports car, you've got to be doing the Super Troopers thing. 
Yeah, exactly. And there's got to be a dance remix of On Days Like These i got to look for. And yeah, yeah, that seems about your speed. Yeah. The so. Aventador, though, is unlike any other car I've driven. It's How so? It's strange. It's like... It's a car that's huge. You know it's huge. It feels huge, but at the same time, it kind of doesn't. And it feels like, you know, you got 700 horsepower, but it doesn't feel like... It's just a car of all these contradictions. 700 horsepower never feels like it's going to kill you. I I was trying to baby it and everything, and even when I went on the throttle and everything, it wasn't like... It wasn't like, like, just snap on and everything. It was... Right. It built up really smoothly, and it was very tractable, and, um... It was de- had um, pretty light steering, but it you could definitely feel like it, you had to manhandle it. Well, it seems like, I, if I remember correctly, that, that V12 doesn't make a ton of torque down low. So it, it makes sense that it winds out, and it's a very progressive power level, and it doesn't, you know, overwhelm it. That, and of course, it's it's all-wheel drive. Right, exactly. So, which is a huge leg up over... 335 tires in the back, which yeah. are steamrollers. Yeah, that's what I got on my car. They are, 335s are fun. They look cool. They do. That's my favorite yeah. thing about having them on my car. It's just like you look behind them and it's just like, I'm driving on barrels. I would put them on my car if I could get like foot-wide fender flares or something. Yeah, that would actually be kind of interesting to see somebody try and get that on a... Hoosiers. Have to be Hoosiers so you can paint Hoosiers on the side. Yeah, we could mini-tub your car and probably do it. That'd be badass. Let's do it. Um, so... <clears throat> the Gallardo, actually, I think I had a lot more fun in the Gallardo because... It it felt like obviously it felt more like a sports car. The exhaust note was phenomenal. was it the Trofeo car that you were driving or it was the Perf- Performante one, which is, okay, which um, is rear drive. No, that's the all wheel drive one. The other one is the 50th anniversary Sario one. That's the white one that was there, which was oh, rear okay, drive that's with one. a stick, which I'm yeah. not get a chance to drive. But gated shifter, dude, gated shifter. I oh love man, that. that that clutch isn't yeah. too punishing either. I got to sit in it and play with it for a bit. Um, the shifter feels really great and. You'd expect the clutch to be like a like just punishingly stiff, but no, it's it's not bad. Yeah, it's really I, I, there's this weird misconception with people that you know think that a car that has a lot of power has to have a heavy heavy clutch. Right, and that's not the case. I mean, if you've got a well designed hydraulic system, then you don't really need that. I mean, a good example would be like you get in the ZR1 and the clutch is pretty fucking light on the ZR1, and that car there's not too many more that are making more power than that. And like, and you know the that's uh, the same with the Viper too. I got I haven't driven the Viper yet, but. The Viper's a little heavier. But it is yeah. heavy, but um, it's, yeah. But, you know, the, back to the Lambo, I mean, it's in that same power realm. So, yeah, I mean, with a certain degree of engineering and, and an expectation of refinement, you can absolutely do that. It's just a question of who's at the helm. And some people like to have that idea of a heavy clutch. Personally, I don't really like it. No, just, I don't like heavy clutches. It's, it's terrible. It's not necessary Because eventually you're going to get off the canyon road and you're going to go, go on the road, the actual road, with freeways and traffic and, right. like, assholes and... Chevy Equinox is like the one guy that nearly wiped out our Aventador on the uh, 210. Yeah, that would have been... That guy's uh, cool. That guy's really cool. I'd like, you, to, buy you him. Gone I'd right like to buy him a drink someday and talk to him about his life's hopes, aspirations, and then snap his neck. Okay. Well, that's a little more aggressive than I'd probably be on that <laughs> front, uh, which is somewhat ironic because uh, I tend to be a lot more aggressive than you, Blake. But um, No, I have no mercy when it comes to road rage. I'm like, I, I always dream of scenarios that I'm Well, you know, we are both you, from we the are from Boston. We yes. are from Boston. So, uh, yeah, I do. I, I yell, but rarely do I uh, go beyond that. Um, yeah. So, uh, Lamborghini events aside... Uh, you also went to the uh, Mercedes press event recently, too. I right? did, and I get a, I got a drive. Speaking of cars that will kill you, I drove the SLS Black Series. 
Okay, I've heard nothing but positive things about that so far. It's 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 fantastic, right? It sounds great, and you know the handling's great. And then you know we had to we did hot laps behind a guy in an SLS who just happened to win twenty four hours of spa. Yeah, this is wasn't that like another nineteen year old kid or something like he that? He was very young. He was yeah. definitely like Euro, you know, Euro, you know, chick kind of like really skinny with like the cool glasses and everything that sort of dude. And then he was. Uh, you know, he won spa, so he's obviously doing uh, lead laps b- before us. So we're following him, and he's taking it at a moderate pace, and the car just feels really great. feels like putty in your hands. And then all of a sudden he starts to go a little faster. Right. And then the car wants to kill you at every corner. The It's race car suspension feels really, really jittery on Big Willow. You never would think that track is um, that bumpy. But then all of a sudden it gets bumpy. The uh, Well, that car's I, pretty I punishing, it. too. I kind of lost it at... Um, at turn three, I think going up the hill in that really sharp left-hander that's banked. Uh-huh. I lost it for a bit, and then I caught it, and I was like, it literally came on with no, um, no warning, nothing at all. I was turning in, right, you know, perfectly normal. It felt great. All of a sudden, rear end just goes slowly a bit out, and I just catch it. And luckily, it's easy to catch. So I'm just like, huh, that was a thing that happened. And then I kept going. Yeah, for my <laughs> and I, I unfortunately have not gotten a chance to drive that car. I would love to. I. I do not like the SLS series in general, but the SLS really? Black has a great deal of appeal to me. See, my I've explained this to people, and they all look at me like I'm crazy, but I like the Roadster so much more than the Coupe. I don't care about the doors. Uh, I don't care about the doors either. I just find the rear end of the regular SLS to be very round, bland, Lexus-y. That's insulting. That's really insulting. Uh, I, you know what? But... It's, the Roadster brings out all those lines so much better than the uh, SLS Coupe because the notchback is really awkward on the Coupe. And the SLS Roadster has a notchback anyway because of a co- convertible top. But yeah. you take it down and you take down a roof and that you do look like you're sitting on the rear axle. And that front hood just stretches for like miles. And yeah, it's, it's a big very coupe. romantic. You know? I wrote in my article that's going up this week. Go to autoweek.com and read it. Um, it's a car that inspires poetry. It's definitely like a Grand Tour, like all those old 250 GT Ferraris. Well, between cool, like like a Pininfarina bodied anything really from the fifties and sixties. Well, I think it's 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 there's something to be said in that it's really Mercedes' first good dual clutch transmission. Yeah, the transmission's great. Um, it's got the last iteration of the M one five nine six point three liter or six point two liter really. Right. Um, V eight and that's it's got like another five hundred RPM in the uh, eighty five hundred RPM. Yeah, eighty five hundred RPM red line in the six point two liter V eight. That's good time right there. That's real yeah, good time. And every every one of those RPMs sounds incredible. That note it's yeah. that note is incredible. It's got that backfire. It's not as obnoxious as the F type where it almost feels manufactured, but it does have that I think the I really subtle. I actually think the Mercedes six point two is my favorite V eight noise that's being manufactured today. Uh, yes, even well beyond the F type. The F type, I mean, has some niceness to it, but I think that the throughout the rev range, it's the that Mercedes V8 just does this beautiful climb into its revs. Yeah, and the, it just makes a good the F type sounds kind of coarse and high strung, which is good, cool in its own way, where it just sounds like it's like some like race motor that's about to be run to the ragged edge in every corner, where it's just about to like explode. But the 6.2 is smooth, growly. It's exactly what you think like an old muscle car would sound like. Right, and that's what I kind of like about Mercedes is that in recent years they've become the German muscle car. 
Exactly. I mean, they've always kind of been there, but they're really there now. I mean, they've standardized on the V8s, especially when they were running the 6.2 across the board. And they really kind of, and you know, they're... Is the C63 still rear-wheel drive? The yeah. E63, a lot of people gave it shit for having four-wheel drive, but honestly, 0 to 60, four-wheel drive, 3.5 seconds. 0 to 60, rear-wheel drive, four seconds. And yep. the product planner said, Americans are always going to buy the faster car. So if you sold a rear-wheel drive one, sold an all-wheel drive one, customers are going to walk in, play play bench racing, and go for the one that goes 0 to 60.5 seconds And that's seconds absolutely faster. true. And as much as I love sliding the rear end around on like a C63, and I really do like the C63 except the transmission on that car. Um, uh, the 507 edition one wasn't that bad. I think it's... It, it was just one. some weird hesitation in the C63 transmission before. Downshift slow, right? Yeah, it was kind of slow. Okay, I mean, it's slow. like downshift, one, two, okay, then it drops the gear. Yeah, okay. So... That's true. It's that that bugs me on that car, but otherwise I love that car. The problem is with the C sixty three with a two sixty five rear tire on it, like it comes with in normal configuration, in that V eight, it's way more power than most people can actually drive. Because um, the regular ones too, like four sixty three horsepower, something like that. Right. The edition five hundred seven. They're really creative with this naming scheme here. It's got five hundred seven horsepower. Yeah, and I really do want to drive one of those five hundred sevens. But I and you know I, this comes back to the E sixty three the new the new E series with the all wheel drive on it. I think we're getting to a point with the power levels on the Mercedes that Need these are luxury cars that are not always driven by enthusiasts and a lot of people, especially here like in L A, buy the AMG one because they've got to measure their dick against their neighbor and if they don't have the old, AMG one, old Chinese families from Pasadena. Yes, you have that and too. Everyone in Glendale. So you know you've got a, a wealth of people that are not necessarily aware of how to drive something with that kind of performance, and I think the all wheel drive setup is probably almost a ne- necessary safety measure for these cars at this point. But the best part is the all wheel drive. They, they also gave some bullshit excuse about like cold weather, snow driving, or something like that. You yeah, know, sure. But the thing is, it's not a variable system. It no, does, it's, it's not. not it's, like the, it's not like the GT. I think it's like it's like a thirty seventy split. It's right? a thirty three sixty seven that AMG tweaked because the regular one's fifty fifty. Yeah. So AMG and AMG tweaked it for more rear bias, which is awesome. And you can still do smoky drifts and burnouts all day long. Yeah, I think I saw Chris Harris do something on it, and he'll be in town this week, so I got to ask him a little more oh, about it. I want to meet that guy. Um, well, come over. We'll talk, we'll talk to him. Um, okay. But um, I think he was sliding one around fairly well, and I think he had made mention that it's still, regardless of the fact that it's all-wheel drive, it still slides pretty damn well. You can definitely kick the rear end out, but it doesn't do so like as willingly or as nimbly as the C63. And that's fine with me, honestly. You have the, yeah. AMG, now, AMG now has the hierarchy now, where the larger cars have a... The new S63 will have four-wheel drive. And um, you get the smaller cars. The C sixty three will always exist, and if they put four wheel drive on that, that would be depressing. Well, I think I think Mercedes is starting to make the demarcation between their sedans that are fun and happy to be somewhat sporting versus their actual sports cars that they're producing, because the SLS is their halo. In some car, in some terms, it's called a GT car, but I'd say in the GT, the SLS GT and the SLS Black, those are bona fide sports cars, right? Where at, and then you've got like the new, you got the new CLA and the A series, which right. in their AMG guys, I think they could almost be sports cars. Although those were all wheel drives to begin with. Let's not talk about the CLA. I got a whole list of complaints. Yeah, the CLA forty five AMG though, not, everybody's not, loves. Not not so impressed. Far. I was not impressed by it. Oh, you weren't? No, I was not. I. Yeah, the engine's great. The transmission, that's that's an example of a bad dual coach transmission. The uh, steering is completely dead and. 
flimsy at all. And wow, this is really contrary to everything that I've heard from everybody really, else. Really, yeah, because it's in, it's incredibly just it feels brittle the steering, and it has at some points it has trouble putting down all of that power to the four wheels. That is. Absolutely, you you just stated everything in the opposite of what I've heard from three different people. I wonder if your car was just crap. No, I drove two of them. Oh, you did? Yeah. You know, actually, I I that was on track. That was on streets of Willow. I later drove it on a uh, the only twisty road in Willow Springs, mm-hmm. and um, it was a bit better. It's definitely a track. It's definitely a canyon car, and if you put it on a track, it's kind of hopeless. But on on a canyon, it did it did kind of like the steering felt a bit better and everything, and. Uh, you know, it was definitely more more of a relaxed pace. You can still go fast, but more of a relaxed pace. So, I think the only question is, I'm going to have to get one and take it around Southern California. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a Mercedes press car, so you know you get one. Yeah, exactly. Mercedes is good so, with that. So, hopefully that will sway my mind. But on a track, it definitely wasn't great. And so, this is also coming from the C had better steering than the E. That's That was my opinion. I think the C was my favorite car, period. Yeah. And the E was great only because you can get it in a brown Although wagon. Although the, now the C brown is... Wagon. Brown wagon. The, brown the wagon. The C is outgoing. And... The new C is going to be interesting. And it that, is. this is a nice segue because mm-hmm. we've seen the interior of the new C and it looks pretty damn good. It looks like a more expensive version of the A-Class. It looks... It's got that S-Class trickle-down uh, design going for it, which is great. But... That command screen that's still got that stupid screen. It literally looks like it's just stuck on the dashboard with tape. Yeah, it really is. Like They started doing that with the G-Wagon. They started doing that with the CLA. And then the CLA got it, and now the C-Class is getting it. And it really does. I worry in that car. Like I feel like if something – if you were going like – Say you did like a Costco run or you did Home you Depot. Some stuff in the back you seat. had some stuff in the back seat and you had to hit the brakes real hard and something went for- flying forward. It seems like it would just smash that screen right off the dashboard. That screen would go flying into the windshield. And then you got two screens. To it li- I mean, it literally feels like I can grab that screen and just rip pull it off, it off the you dashboard. Can rip it off. Right. Um, that's that's very cheap. And also, Command sucks. Let's face it. It's so so many confusing menus. The screen, the, the resolution is nice and it's fast. Resp- it's very responsive for the resolution. But. It's the menus are infuriating. It's I think we are in the final days. I give it like five years and we're not going to see these things built into the dashboard anymore because like as the announcement was made this last week and is a number of the GM models for the 2014 model year now are going to have the built in Siri integration. And I know not everybody's running an iPhone, but this is the first steps. You know, it's going to have a Siri button on the steering wheel where you press that and everything's voice controlled and runs through your iPhone. So hopefully this will End the days of these manufacturer-specific infotainment systems that all need to just go away. Maybe there should be like a standardization for all these manufacturer screens. Like one you know the, company supplies the entire industry. I don't even know about that. Which would be kind of scary. Think about it, but honestly, it'd just be so much more consistent. So there's a couple of competing standards. That Apple has a standard for replicating their screen on an external display. And I'm not talking about air display. Um, that's that's a whole separate thing just for in-home use. They've got an automotive version of that kind of a thing. And then in conjunction with the Siri control, that could be a very nice setup. And Android yeah. also has a there's – a, there's an open standard that Android also implements basically where, it, once again, it replicates the screen and the dashboard and everything. If we could just get that in all the cars. Also, it would be nice to have some design consistency too because that's the other thing. you look at Apple, it's very well designed. You look at Android and you know it's kind of over the place. HTC has their own standard. Samsung has their own standard. Okay. And it's all – I mean, Chris, you could rant about this for hours. Uh, yeah, I can because this is – I mean, that's what I build for a living right. is this kind of stuff. But – 
I recently drove a bunch of Dodges, and the Uconnect is a very nice system. It's it's quick. It does everything you need to. It was designed by a friggin' freshman graphic design student. Yeah. So cluttered. The Hel- it's a Helvetica font. I know that because Jeep uses Helvetica for everything. It looks out of place. It looks like a placeholder thing. It looks very tacky. It's got like just graphics everywhere, and you got to hunt. Everything's really cluttered. It's, it looks awful. What needs to happen is that these automotive manufacturers need to start leaning on people from the software and the web development world to start doing this stuff. Because quite frankly, none of the manufacturers can design their way out of a paper bag when it comes to user interfaces. They yeah. can't. Yeah. They the closest a- I've seen is maybe Audi. And even then, it's Audi still, at least is consistent, which is They're nice. consistent across the brand, I'll say that. But still, they'll have several different iterations of the, so- of the software so that you can get into, let's say you get into an A6, and then you get into an A3, and there'll be similarity between them, but they'll still be different. And that's just wrong. You just don't do that because when you don't have con- when you don't have consistent design, you force the user to to relearn the system each time they get in a different vehicle, which is just right. wrong. I and mean, you don't have to yeah. relearn a different computer each time you sit down at it. You've got one of two standards that most people understand: Windows, Mac OS, and Windows, and Linux. If you if you wear a fedora and you live at home, you know what the funny thing is is that most people don't realize. Almost every damn device in your house and in your car is running on Linux. Yeah. That's that's the funny little thing. It snuck up on everybody. But computer yeah. science crap aside. Um, well, I'm talking about the people that brag about using Linux as a daily OS. Oh, yeah. yeah they get in your face about that sort of thing. Yeah, and it's good. I read but, it. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so that rant aside, honestly, it is. it would be nice to hire some people from, like, you know, so hire some actual designers. Yeah. And not just and, and you know who some did? guy that got promoted from vehicle integration because he was still working on Delco systems. You know who did do that, but to mixed results, was Tesla. Right. Tesla, those guys all coming from the dot-com world understood that they needed to hire people that were specifically user interface designers. So they started out with a firm called um, Round Arch that a friend of mine was working on, and they were designing everything. And then somehow they, they went their separate ways with Round Arch. But it goes to show you that at least... Those guys coming from a software background kind of understand that you need to hire interface designers because it's a very specific skill set. Yeah, you know, exactly. it'd be like as it is right now, the manufacturers. It's like hiring a plumber to be an architect. You can't really just be like, oh yeah, people are just gonna stab their finger on this thing and it's gonna work. Well, you know, I think they tried doing that with Q and Q. I I kind of have some faith in Q in a sense that, you know. It's gonna that that capacitive touch touch screen thing and everything. Yeah. It's nothing really that new, but it's in its first generation, and eventually it's gonna be some kind of standard. But at the same time, they GM also has several competing infotainment systems within their own brands. Yeah, you're right. Which My is Link in the Chevy Spark idiotic. is great because it looks. It's yeah, very My fast. Link is not. And My Link is completely different than the Impala. Yeah. It is. And then you've got the MyLink in the Q, you've got the MyLink in the Impala, you've got it in the Cruise, you've got it in the trucks, and it's all slightly different versions of it. And then you also have Caddy has their own version. I don't know what the hell Buick's doing. And it's just like, just just get one good operating system up and going and have one team within the entire organization that is in charge of it. Consistency, consistency, consistency. There you go. So My Ford Touch also looks like crap. Okay, moving on. Yes. Um, okay, so you get the 507. Oh, um, so let's talk about what I'm driving this week. Yeah, let's do that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the rarest car in America right now. There's only one in America. One of one. Put it, put it this way. There are 
by next year, there will be exactly three times as many Lamborghini Venenos let's than see. the car I'm driving right now. Is there? Let's see if we can get them to guess. Okay. It's got a, what is it, two-liter turbo? Yes. Two-liter turbo. Puts out Front-wheel drive. Horsepower. Um, it's very blue. It's extremely blue. It's a three-door, technically. It's got a DCT. DSG. Is it? Uh, it's still branded as DSG. Okay. Well, it actually then, just narrowed it down like And crazy. it's front-wheel drive. It's front-wheel drive. And it's blue. Did I mention it's very blue? Yes, you did. And uh, It blew itself. Can um, you give a Stewie impression? Uh, no. They don't, they, no, don't they don't, try. They don't even make this car anymore. Uh, they, don't, they, don't even, they don't even make this car anymore. It is a... Volkswagen Scirocco. Yes. R. So R, that would be that pirates. would be the second Eurospec car I've driven from VW in the States this Volkswagen's year. Volkswagen's very good. You know what's great about Volkswagen? They bring these cars over. Journalists go crazy about them. They go on this huge tour across America. And then Volkswagen, if, if the GTD is any indication, um, Volkswagen gave everyone their... Let everyone drive the Kermit Green GTD, which it is was the, a great car, which was incredible. No one had a bad thing to say about it. And guess what? Mark Seven Golf will be coming to America. Although we're getting GTD. it way delayed. Yeah, we're getting it like 2016 or something. Yeah, it's retarded. Like by the time we get it, it's almost going to be out of the European market. Well, it's also the new GTD. So the new right, market. but that's and, what I mean. You know, Volkswagen usually builds them for like five years. Right. So you know, we'll get one really late. Which is, you know, still, and still we're getting it. Still, we got something to look forward to. Yep. So, if you don't need to buy a new car for like three years or something like that, you could take a look at that car. But onto the Scirocco. Onto the Scirocco, I, I have a feeling we're going to get the Scirocco within five it's, to six years. It's at like, least a new generation Scirocco. It's basically a GTI. That's cooler. It's cool. It looks so much better than a GTI. It's, it's it really great does. Looking. It's, it's great looking. It's uh, still practical. It's quick. It needs the all-wheel drive system from the Golf R, I think. Yeah, it was in the in the five minutes that I just spent driving that car. It's very evident that that is the motor. First off, it's got a little bit of lag to it, but that's to be expected. It's, and it's characteristic fun too. of that motor. I think it's fun. It's got some character to it. It does, but it, it it can you could definitely unsettle those front wheels with that much power running through. It's them. got twelve thousand hard-driven journalist miles on them. Mm-hmm. It's uh. It's got tons of torque. It got. It's got a lot of wheel hop. It's like brutally. Yeah, that much I could feel is that it'll, if you started launching that thing hard, it'll launch the traction. It'll, it would the be traction control light just blink on and off. I'll tell you what. It would be exponentially worse if you were driving a traditional manual on that car because the you DSG transmission really quick. The DSG transmission really does a lot to kind of obscure some of that wheel hoppy stuff. You know, just yeah, that's a term, wheel hoppy. Yeah, um, that's true. Like beer. Um. You you drive a manual on that thing, you have to shift from first to second instantaneously. You might as well just start in second. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it, and Volkswagen manuals, not that great. I'd rather have the DSG. No, they're very loose and kind of vague. Um, yeah, and the clutches aren't, aren't have no feel to them. But, I mean, otherwise, the first thing I noticed when I got in that car, super comfortable seats. Seats are great. Seats, um, are, seats are super wide, really well bolstered. They're great for fat Germans and fat Americans. Yes. I, I am not a svelte individual. Um, but You're fat, Chris. Yes, yes, I am Blake. I am uh, I am six feet and two hundred and thirty pounds of American. Um, Not that bad if you put it that way. Um, yeah, but it's 
It's super comfortable. It's the first thing I got it. And the, the forward visibility is great. You get some little blind spot issues going over your shoulder if you're looking over the passenger side if you drive on the correct the rear side. Seats, of the road. Rear seats, we, we can, you can cram people into rear seats. I mean, can you? I Yeah, I, I fit in the back. I'm short, but you know, people taller than me, I fit in the back too. Okay. Um, the uh, trunk, it's very deep, and uh, I can fit in the trunk. Okay, so that's good consumer advice, right? I, I, I see. I didn't get that far with it, but um, how? Actually, curiously, what's the fuel economy like in it? I think I've been averaging twenty two. I averaged twenty four on a highway. I've also been driving it like a dick. I think my I filled it up. I think after I crunched the numbers, I'm probably going to get around eighteen, nineteen. That's not awful considering these are journalist miles, which means you're beating the piss out it's of it. It's not awful if you drive it aggressively. That's probably what you'll go, you're going to end up with. It so. probably gets killer highway mileage though. I think I got 25 um, just on a short highway run to Long Beach today. So, yeah, I mean, if you took it on a road trip, you'd probably I, get I, Well, I just say that just because that teardrop long roof design usually just means excellent highway fuel economy. So, it's uh, – yeah, that was – but, I, you know, getting also, out of that car, I, yeah. I immediately said to Blake, I'm like, I could do this as a daily. I would love to buy one. I mean, Volkswagen has been killing it. Last three generations – last two generations of uh, GTIs have been phenomenal. And um, the new one, I've heard nothing but good things about it. Lighter, bigger, bigger and lighter, and mm-hmm. um, same amount of power, if not a bit more. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the new Golf R. I'm looking forward to the new GTI in general. Yeah, the yeah. GTI is fantastic. If you bring this to America, Volkswagen, probably by 2017, I think. We'll probably, I'm calling it right now. You'll probably see this in America by 2017. There will be a new generation probably within two years because this car's been around since 2008. Frankly, I don't know why we don't have it already just because it's basically a tarted up Golf. So, right. I don't know why they're not selling we get it here. You the CC here and that's a tarted up last gen Passat. So, yeah. And, and you know, and the thing is is I other and no than, one's buying the CC. They would have to crash them and test them and that costs money and all, but they could probably demand a 3 or 4,000 dollar premium over a regular Golf oh, just totally. on just on the totally. appearance of that car alone. And it's Volkswagen. You're the second biggest car company in the world or third. You can yeah, that's that's yeah. a that's you can a use some of the money siphoned from rich people paying into Super Trofeo into bringing us to Scirocco. That's it. There you go. Super Stop Trofeo feed- begets Scirocco. Stop feeding journalists shrimp and booze for like three afternoons, and you can fund all of the Scirocco's coming into the states. I would gladly take a decrease in shrimp. Yes, although I do love shrimp. Yes, I think there were actually pictures of you. At that event, eating shrimp. Oh, that was a thing uh, Moto Man and I uh, took a picture of just to annoy Matt Farrow with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that sounds about right. So uh, on that note, why don't we take a little break here, and uh, then we'll come back into the whole uh, Hoon world. Okay. All right. This podcast is brought to you by Shout Engine. In less than five minutes, you can start your own podcast for free with ShoutEngine.com. All right, uh, we got a couple of topics talk, uh, going on here. We got a couple of threads here. We have basically um, a lot of cars being ordered and a lot of cars going really fast. So, what do you want to talk about first, Chris? Let's hit the orders first because all it's right. the less interesting of the two. It, it is very le- uninteresting. Um, all right, so orders. That's the S Class, the Corvette, and the Cherokee. The least interesting of the three. Now, I know the, the um, S Class and the Vet are doing very, very well. How well, Chris? I think the what was the S class? Um, hold on, I had. I know the vets backed up thirty thousand orders in three months. That's pretty solid, and for an expensive car like that, thirty thousand orders is that worldwide though? I don't know. 
I think it might Probably. be worldwide because it hasn't come to America yet. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. It is, it is worldwide. I mean, it is only in Germany. 30,000 orders in three months. That's 10,000 orders for a country that's not very big, but apparently is very rich. Yeah, well, and that's that's not a cheap car. So 30,000 orders on a car like that is pretty significant. It means that the recession is officially over, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. For Germany, maybe. For Germany. Uh, for nah, we're mostly out of it here. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not that bad. I mean, I just say it's a recession to show off how poor I am. I mean, it ain't perfect, but we're better than we were. Yeah. Um, and the Stingray orders are apparently backed up for a year. Right. Are, because... have, do they have numbers on how many orders specifically? Uh, I did not see that. It's mostly a, a supply issue right now, is they can't get their suppliers to build a lot of the parts for uh, their Stingray specific uh, fast enough. So, and right. there's something like a 75% take rate on Stingrays versus the regular um, C7. What do you mean the regular? Or that Z51, Z51 versus Z51 versus regular Stingray, I should say. 70%? 75% take rate on Z51. That's Z51. excellent news. That's excellent news. Because the Z51 is not an expensive package. What is it like? It's like three grand. Oh, I thought it was like fifteen hundred. Which is so but fun. it's still great. The Z fifty one package has been around forever yeah. and yeah. nobody's paid any real attention to it until now, unless you were like a real vet geek. Like Z fifty one has been around since the C four. C four. And then the C four also had a Grand Sport. Yes. Um and then in the C six what happened was is that in what was it? Oh nine to oh nine or I can't remember. They dropped the Z fifty one specifically, but just basically turned it into the Grand Sport. Which was an even better deal across the range. I, I always I was confused about that because I didn't know if the C6 had a base, and then it was the Grand Sport, then it was the Z06, then it was the ZR1, or did all the base C6s become Grand Sports? No, no, there is still a base, and then there's a Grand Sport, and yeah, um, you know, there was demand to get the wider body on it because the wide body on the the wide body looks really good. Yeah, and that's that's really what I'm waiting for. And with the, the Grand C7. Sport did come with the wide body. You're saying? Yeah, it came with the wide right. body, and it also came with some upgraded hardware. I really like the Grand Sport. And, I I would love to get a Grand Sport someday because I like the original one from. I built a model kit of that. Well, one. and the the deal is, if you get a C6 Grand Sport with a manual transmission, it's the it's short of the ZR1. It's really the stoutest vet built. Uh, yeah. Everything in that car is overbuilt. It's got a fully forged motor, so you can actually slap a supercharger on that thing and make a ton of power. Yeah. And if you're not inclined to do that, it's just a great sports car that it won't overwhelm you like some might think yeah. the Z06 will overwhelm That car you. was basically built as a track special. Which that's, is great. That's really what it's Kinda for. like the Z28 Camaro. It, it, sort of. All the Z28. And that's the thing about the Z28 Camaro. Ooh. The Z28 designation hasn't always meant track special. No, it did not for a long time. Up the the F bodies, it was always like the it was like, F body. It was regular V six, right. and then your Z twenty eight, and then, then, then your SS. Right. And so the Z twenty eight always took a step back. There were weren't there V six Z twenty eights as well? No, there was not. Oh, okay. There was there was V six RSs for a long time. Right. Right. With the fourth gen, and the RS, you know, it's always been an appearance package. Uh, there was a few other things that came along with it, uh, on the, on the F body, but like you get like a, it was like a limited slip differential was an option with it okay. and you know, some performance stuff. Um, and, and you know what, to be honest for its era, the V6s were not horrible, um, in those cars. Right. And those were the LT1 V8s. Uh, well, no, no, no. You had two generations. The F bodies were split up over two gens. Oh, you're right. Cause later they had the LS1. Their fourth gen F body, I should say, was split up into two parts. Right. Cause in... 98 they threw in the ls1s and they redesigned a bunch of stuff on them yeah they facelifted them yeah right um so if you're looking for a really fast car cheap go buy an ls1 firebird or camaro and have a really really fast car for like 
seven or eight thousand. I was eleven when that car was facelifted. Now you're making me feel old again, Blake. Eleven. Yeah. yeah. I just moved from to Massachusetts, and that car was awesome. I really wanted one of those as yeah, a kid. Yeah, I was thirty fifth anniversary one. That was the last one they came out with. I think it was thirty fifth. Yeah, and, and right. truth be told, on the older ones, you know, they always said, "Oh, it's an LS one, but it's not the same as the Vet LS one." The last like two or two and a half years of the production of the Camaros and the Firebirds really basically were LS6 motors. There wasn't a lot of difference. Right. They were making over 350 horsepower. They just lied. They're like, eh, we'll just say it's the same. Yeah. You know. It works. Now, was that 385 horsepower that was in the Z06, the original C5? Okay, the Z06, that was, that was truly the LS6, right. and that really did make, 385 in the first gen and then it can pump up to 400 because the 400 later was right yeah that was the ls6 as well and then the ls7 was the c606s right and that's 505 and that actually has proven to be the least reliable motor that uh the least reliable ls motor that's probably ever been built really yeah uh they had problems with a lot of them um they have a sodium filled exhaust valve and they tend to break and then drop into the cylinders and destroy things Okay. Not all of them, but there was enough of them that it was an issue. Yeah, it sounds like a problem. Uh, it was. And there's a reason that you're not going to probably see a bespoke motor like that again. Right. So um, to summarize, Chris, you've owned half these cars we're talking about. Yep. And uh, if you want to be a redneck like Blake, um, you'll either get an LS1 Camaro or a C5 Z06 with the 405 horsepower or a C6 Grand Sport because I want all of those cars. Yeah, unironically, the best deal going out of all of them though is that the C five Z O six. Because you can buy one for twenty twenty five thousand dollars. I've seen them. I've, I've seen them pop up for thirteen fifteen. Uh, not a Z O six. Z O sixes. Uh, there's a lot of people that take and make the regular ones look like Z O sixes. Yeah, that's true. Because there's not big difference on that on that generation. Um, right. You didn't get wide bodies. You just got the. Uh, you the got vents. you got the vents in the rear, and of course they were using the fixed roofs. And then the mesh in the front, and then right. the titanium exhaust, of course. You know, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I, I, it's I, a I bunch of little things, but it's a hell of a deal. I mean, there's, I don't know that there's more bang for the buck in a car that you could buy than a Z5 Z06 Fox Body Mustang. Even no, just still, I mean, the Fox Body Mustang, I like that car. Don't get me wrong, but it does not. I mean, there's very. You're not giving up much buying a C5 Z06 handling versus any modern car built. Yeah, you're gonna need to sink a lot of money into Foxes to make them handle. But the thing is, though. Yeah. Foxes have all but disappeared off Los Angeles Craigslist. You know what's really cheap? The SN95 Mustangs. The round ones and the slightly less round ones. It's because they're not very good. No, they're not. But you can get a GT with a stick for like six grand. You can get an automatic for like Mm $3,500. Right. And you'll look like like an out-of-work porn star, but um, it's, it's it's the cheapest V8 you can get. It really is. I mean, there's motors that cost more than that. Uh, yeah, you're probably about right. Yeah, because Mustangs get cheap when they get old. Yeah. Um, and they crank them out like, like rabbits having sex. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's there's a lot of them. Um, you know, but SN95s, eh, yeah. not the greatest Plus, cars. But that's true. But think of it this way: if you're building that factory five Cobra that I want to build someday, three grand is a donor car right there. Yeah, that's and true. And then the kit is fourteen grand. That's true. So. Um. So old uh, '90s muscle cars aside, we're going to talk about the Jeep Cherokee, which are finally hitting dealers. Uh, yeah, which and is, that's it. Moving on. Yeah, that's. Uh, that, I have nothing good to say about that car. Right. Um, we're going to talk about fast cars now. Um, now, two interesting Nurburgring lap times have come out, and I kind of hate this whole Nurburgring dick waving contest, but it's so standard. Now I'm an that, engineering geek, though. I love that shit. 
You yeah, know? it's so standard now that you kind of have to just Stockholm Syndrome it. Um, on the low end of the spectrum, the Alfa Romeo 4C did a lap in 8.04. Which I believe is a record for a naturally aspirated four-cylinder. You also said it was slow. It is kind of slow for mm. for modern standards on Nürburgring sports cars. Yes. Right. Oh, update. Ford Form points out that it's a 205-horsepower Formula Ford EcoBoost did a 7.22. Yeah. That oh, but that's not a, a production faster. car. That's the thing. That's yeah. It's not a production car. Yeah, that is, you know, that is a track car. Although I really want to drive one of those Formula Quickest 4 four cars. Quickest four-cylinder this side of a Caterham R500. Uh-oh. What did the Caterham R500 do? And actually, that's interesting, too, because um, Pist- yeah, uh, Piston Heads just did a review of the Caterham 160, which is... And Which is the three-cylinder... Uh, 80-horsepower Suzuki Jiminy motor. Mm-hmm. Kind of tweaked by Cosworth, but... It weighs a thousand pounds. The entire car weighs a thousand pounds. Yeah, that's plenty of power that's when you're driving a thousand pounds. Three vehicle. horsepower a ton. That's the same sliding scale as the Miata. So Yeah. Um it's got these cute little steel wheels. It's tiny, it's fragile, you'll die just looking at it. And I think it, it and retails, I want six of them. It's like twenty four or twenty six thousand US or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So it's relatively cheap for a track toy. Right. Um right. Emphasis yeah, I, track toy, right. But, you know, for some people, it just might be all the car they need, like me, because I'm not holding mooch every weekend. But, um, 90, what is it, 80 horsepower or 90 horsepower? I think it's... it's whatever, 80, whatever, 90 right. horsepower. It's tiny. it's tiny, but I've heard good things about that motor, actually. Tiny-ass little wheels? I think it's like, I don't even know, i got to look this up. Well, it, you know, it's a, it's a caterum. You know, it is, you, you imagine what a caterum is, now put a tiny three-cylinder turbo motor in it, and it's fun. Right, so, because Caterham put a put a V V eight in the what the R five hundred I think right. Uh yeah, and that's probably just too much. That's power overkill. For that, that is absurdly overkill. Uh, Fifth Gear just did a shootout with all these cars. Um, they did that. Let's see. They had the Aerial Atom, the supercharged one with the supercharged um, EcoTech motor. Uh, they had the the Caterham, and then they also had what was the other one? Oh, they had, it was a Morgan three wheeler. Nice. So put those all back to back. Of course, the Morgan wins for character alone. Right. And the Ariel Adams is fast. And then the Caterham is just kind of a happy medium between the two. Which Caterham was it? Uh, I don't remember, to be perfectly honest. But okay. it's a Caterham, so imagine a Caterham, and there you go. Caterham Everybody knows what they I look like. I love to have a Caterham. You know, um, the, ones, the ones in America, they're surprisingly, they're surprisingly expensive. That's yeah, the they're expensive kind of here. It's hard to justify a Caterham in the U.S. just because they're, they're really overpriced for our market. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, there's always books like, you know, how you can build one out of an old Miata. There's an Exoset kit, for example, and it looks like a really ugly aerial atom. But, but it takes off like a thousand. To be like honest, you're better off just keeping that car a Miata than trying to turn it into something else that it wasn't originally. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, Caterham, um, I like the idea of a kit, though, as actually building it yourself. Like a, hell, if you have a kids, it's a father-son project. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Uh, our very own Zach Clapman. I mean, he built the Cobra with his dad, him right. and his brother. My dad didn't love me. Just kidding, dad. But um, I'd love to build a Caterham on my own because, you know, if, you, if you're one of those guys that always built model kits, you kind of want to – you you at least mentally think you can scale it up. I really want to build a car at some point, but it will be of my own design. Oh, that's really stepping it up. Well, you know, that's I, – I love doing that kind of shit. Um, and I have no problem spending two years dicking around in a CAD program doing it. But it wouldn't be anything fancy. I mean, it'd be a tube t- chassis type thing like an Ariel Atom or something. Right. But, um, I'd like to do my own thing just to kind of have my own thing. 
Um, so weird little track kit cars aside, let's talk about something that's not a weird little track car. No, but quite is... the opposite. Yes. Um, McLaren P1. Be... McLaren P1. Um, we just mentioned the Alfa Romeo. How did we get from KTRMs to Alfa Romeos? Holy uh, shit! I don't know. This is we a re- weird, ramble. weird podcast so. we do. Um, did an 804 lap time around the Nurburgring. Um, the McLaren P1. Chris, what did it do? Uh. I don't think that they released a lap time on that for, for the Nurburgring well, they yet. They have a speculative story on here. It, but it did run a ridiculous 0-60 to 60 time. And what was that, Blake? Hold on, hold on. The 0-60 to 60 time was 2.8 seconds. Yeah. Oh, whatever. On G- a rear-wheel drive car. Whatever. Not an all-wheel G- drive car. GTR can do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's also I know, I know. all-wheel drive. Fantastic. Um, but they say it might have done a uh, it might have done a 7.04 lap time. But I think another video... According to another video, it did a 647. I'd be inclined to think the 647 just because it's making a sh- one metric shit ton of power is the official measurement. But the Porsche 918 is, uh, did 657. That's official. That is official. And this is why I, I'd be more inclined to think that the, six, the 640 number is uh, probably far more likely just because McLaren is not going to allow Porsche to show them up. I'm not sure. The Porsche is all-wheel drive, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. It is all-wheel drive. It, uh, it has the same amount of power. And it's got a. I think it's smaller too. What's fairly astounding, though, in the McLaren is the fuel economy numbers that they're getting out of it. Still, even with that kind of with 900 plus horsepower, they're still seeing mid 20s to low 30s in fuel economy numbers. That's very impressive, and that's with yeah. Curs, the kinetic energy system. Uh, it's not really a full curve system. I mean, right. they basically if they did something really cool, and that they took their three point eight liter twin turbo, which is the basis of the you know it's the motor that's in the twelve C, right? Wonderful motor, um, sounds great. And then they actually attached a hybrid system directly to the back of that motor that 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 attaches right to the crankshaft, and they can basically create an artificial load on the motor at any point in time, or charge the batteries, or it makes it very very versatile in the things that they can do. Right. And I thought one of the cool things that I heard about was. They can using that electric drive. They can actually put a drag on the motor at all times, so it's basically permanently able to be boosted. Right. So it would be absolutely and you perfect put a drag for a race. On the motor that means you're using some of the power from the motor to keep charging the uh, system. Right. Right. So it's it's the same idea of brake boosting a turbocharged car if you're going to be doing highway runs. Right. Um, only so basically, you should just McLaren should build a car that has a turbo boost button that is on all the time. It, it says yeah. it should say turbo boost like yeah. you're in an 80s video game. Yeah, it'll yeah. be outrun all over again. It'll Although that might that might predate you, Blake. No, I played outrun. I played it a lot. Okay. Of them. They have the new ones too with the Ferrari California in them. They're kind of fun. There you go. Um, Although the California is not a great far. Um, I feel like I'm the only one who hasn't driven it yet. I so, is there anything else that we need to cover this week? No, I just want to mention that uh, McLaren, you need to put a giant turbo sticker on the side of your car just for shits and giggles. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Um, um, oh, some more numbers. Uh, hits 186 in 16.5 seconds. Chris, do you want to uh, count 16.5 seconds with me right now? Um, not particularly. One. Um, this is Four, awkward radio. Five, six, um, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. You're almost there. Yeah. Fourteen, fifteen, sixteen and a half, and you're at 186 miles an hour. That is impressive. That's. that's yeah, that's pretty quick. That and then if you want to slow down from uh, a less crazy 60 miles an hour, 92 feet in 2.8 seconds. It's it's that's, it's an amazing vehicle. That'll, but that'll I didn't probably expect rip your any spleen less. out of your th- through your throat. Yeah. 
I, yeah. I really did not expect safe. any less from these guys. Um, oh, of course not. I mean, you know, a lot of people were like, when the McLaren um, MP412C came out, people were like, oh, it's, it can't hold up a candle to the uh, McLaren F1. What's, what's, it wasn't they, meant to be the it McLaren wasn't meant to be, F1 right. era. You know, and now this is trying to be the world's fastest car. And, and it may very well be. I mean, the only shoe that we have not seen drop... I mean, obviously, we don't have a final ring number on the McLaren, but the other numbers on it are very impressive. So we know right. that the ring number is going to be is going to be very, very good. Right. The The one that we we know very little about at this point is the LaFerrari. Yes. And I think that Porsche is going to build a very nice car that's always going to run, and it's going to be very, very good with the 918. And, but I don't think it's going to be the all-out fastest of the three. And then Ferrari's going to build a car that Ferrari owners are going to go nuts about because they're Ferrari owners. It is. And right. then I, the loyalists I think, will all find themselves with these cars. There's I really no think, rationality involved. I really think the race is going to be the, between the McLaren and the Ferrari, though. Uh, Mc, McLaren, Ferrari, right. Porsche obviously is involved. Porsche is good, but I just don't think that they're hitting that same... I mean, McLaren and Ferrari are going for the batshit crazy numbers right now. Right. And I think Porsche was just looking at building a really, really... And mind you, it's still insanely fast. But I think it's probably going to be a little more well-rounded, a little better-mannered car than where either is, the, the Ferrari or the McLaren will be. Where is uh, Lamborghini in all of this? Where, where does the Veneno stack up? Um, It's not going to stack up against these. It's going to be... It's, it's an outrageous car that... It screams Lamborghini, but I don't think it even comes close to competing in this that's, realm. That's true, but it is... Oh, look, Lamborghini Veneno. It's uh, 0-16, Right, it's, it's one of those cars that Lamborghini built on their own without trying to compete against everything else because they're Lamborghini, but does it compete anyway? It's uh, 6.5 liter. Okay, 750 horsepower in the Veneno. I mean, the regular Aventador is 700 horsepower, so it's not that much of a stretch from the Veneno. Right, right. right. And it's it's and the other cars we've been talking about, they're all nine hundred horsepower. Right, and and the other cars are, are built purpose built track stars. Right. Whereas I, Lamborghinis never really been that. I love Lamborghinis, but they're not. No, and that's I love Lamborghini because of that because they don't compete. So that's why I mean they just got their first racing series a few years ago that we just went to. Right. So right. You know what they had before that? What's that? The Diablo Cup. Oh. Does yeah, that not sound like a yeah, gigantic right. clusterfuck? Yeah, that sounds like a lot of broke broken cars and heartache. Yes. Um, let's see. So we get the we get the LaFerrari coming. We get the Porsche coming. We've got the McLaren coming. I feel like these are the answers of the bigger manufacturers to guys like Koenigsegg. It's yeah. I I do want to know where Pagan the Hoi and the Koenigsegg. What's the I new batshit Koenigsegg? Uh the new oh the the new new one that they haven't even built yet. Yeah. The one that they announced, I don't remember what it is. Right. But, like, the, you know, the guys just got back from Europe, and they drove the Ajera, and there's a pretty remarkable video. Um, you know, uh, the Super Speeders guys and, and everything, you know, Ferretti put up this vehicle, uh, this video um, with the Koenigsegg test drivers driving around a friend of ours uh, as a stunt driver, and it's very crazy just the, the stability control system that they have on the Koenigsegg is unlike anything you've ever seen. Right. Um, and I feel like this is the answer of the manufacturers, the bigger manufacturers going, we can do this too. Right. Um, I think Koenigsegg... Bigger, of course, is relative. Well, I mean, Koenigsegg is a very small company. Like, right. Pagani and Koenigsegg are about the same size. Right. You know, they're small companies, and they build very, very cool things that I love to death. They, they, but, they're they very old old world craftsmanship in the sense that they don't have other cars to build. Like, Volkswagen's... I mean, obviously, Porsche is corporate-owned. Ferrari... 
Um, there's also corporate own, own, and they have you know just. But a they're whole bunch they're, of they're cars. largely independent. And then McLaren still. is largely independent, and they but they also have to have another car to meet the bottom line. Right, and you and don't the, get the impression Pagani. Sorry to keep calling you off, no, but fine. you don't get the impression that. Pagani or Koenigsegg have to worry about that. If they if no one buys their cars, then they're just like, oh, okay. But people are always going to buy their cars they're, because they built up cult status. I think Koenigsegg is an engineering geeks company. Right. That, that people like me buy those cars and eat them up, and I think they're really cool. It's not my favorite, right. but I, I do like those cars. Pagani is just Pagani. Pagani is romantic. art. Pagani is artwork. Yeah. Um, there is. It's not the fastest car. It's not the most powerful car. They're very fast and they're very powerful, but it's about the fit and the finish. And that car is. It's almost like the jewel of automobiles. Everything on that car is perfectly put together right. to the point where they align the Pagani logos that are on every nut and bolt in the car. It's it's anal retentive to the point of being silly, and I right. love it. Well, that makes sense. And, you know, I love how all these manufacturers carve out these distinct niches for themselves. It's um, it's, it's like, like talk to the mic, please. Yeah. You cut that part out. Yeah. Um. It's. I love how all these manufacturers carve out these distinct niches for them because everyone tends leans towards building like a car that's perfect to drive, like it will do everything you want it to, and it will just high engineering and all that. But they all have their own character and they all have their own philosophies on things, mm-hmm. and you don't see that anywhere else except in the supercar game, maybe in a motorcycle game. Yeah. So, um, auto power to them. It's it's very like like 1970s F1, you know, because Rush didn't really do so well in America. Well, that or, was to be expected. Nobody, yeah, no the, one's gonna the vast majority of Americans don't know or F1. care about F one, right? So, so um, I, it's a very good time to be a twelve year old boy. Yeah, it is. There's a lot of cool cars. This is, you know, when I was that age, there wasn't that many cool cars because it was, you know, it was the early nineties, and there just really wasn't that much cool shit going on. When, when I was that age, it was just me playing Need for Speed Two. Yeah. So the the McLaren F1, and then there was the Italo Design Kala and the uh, Ford GT90, which is mind blowing. Yeah. For, so yeah, but it wasn't that heyday of the crazy '80s uh, supercars of you know your into the early '90s, but not the mid '90s. That was a lull. That was a bit of a lull. You had the you had the uh, F1, and you had the F50, which mm-hmm. some people hate. Like, I do not like the F50 at all. Like, it's still a limited edition Ferrari, and I still think it looks kick-ass. I'm not a Ferrari guy in general. And, Me neither. But the F50 is not what I'd call a pretty car. Well, I built a lot of model kits of it as a kid, so so I might be biased. But so, at that rate, so I think I think that's about everything we meant to cover this yeah, week. Yeah, we've covered right? everything. Let's let's talk let's talk uh, let's talk about Syria, Chris. Syria? What's the political situation like in Syria? I don't know right now because I'm working 100 hours a week on my company. So I like I to say that shit is fucked. Probably it's the official statement from John Kerry. I think that's a fairly reasonable assessment. assessment? Yeah. 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 Let's talk about what I'm going to eat after this. Um, I might I, go to Vons and buy a sandwich. I think that that's probably a good idea. What about the value in the sandwiches? There's the same value in sandwiches these days that there used to be, or were the sandwiches better in the '80s? I, you know, I, I recently got a chance to test drive a sandwich from the '80s, and I gotta say, it did not live up to my standards. It's very moldy. The steering was kind of a uh, steering was very soft, so it understeers at the limit. It did. Un- it did a lot of understeering at the limit, and um, you know, you know what they say: never eat your heroes. That's what they say. Never eat ah, your heroes. Ah, and on that note, I think uh, I think we're going to have to call this episode of the Thank Universe. God. All right. Good night, folks.
That's the name of this TV show. Um, that's gonna be the name of this episode. Never eat your heroes. Don't eat your heroes. Don't eat your heroes.